Where do you find a chemist, a reverend, a musician, and an attorney all in one person? Stick around and we'll find out. All right, good morning. So Scott Copeland's with us today. I'm Luke Martin, one of the attorneys at Bimbo Davidson and Martin. Scott's one of my uh, colleagues over there, and this is Suits and Boots Legal Talk. So thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for being here, Scott. Yeah, I'm glad to be here this morning, Luke. Appreciate it. So you are probably one of the most interesting characters that we've ever had work with us, and it's I got to tell the story because it's it's really interesting how this came about. We uh, we actually graduated from law school together back in 2015. That's right. And uh, really hadn't talked a whole lot up until what 2020 or something, something like about that. that. Yeah. So uh, I've got a really good friend that lives in Jacksonville, Florida, and my family was down there for uh, Thanksgiving. We went down and, and had Thanksgiving with these folks, and I knew Scott was in the area. So I called him up and I said, "Hey Scott, you want to you want to get together?" He said, "Sure." So this was the like I said, the first time we had talked probably since since we had graduated, I guess. And uh, we got supper and it, we were sitting there eating. And I said, "Hey, if you ever decide to come to North Carolina, give me a call. We'll have a job waiting for you." And little did I know, a few months later, my phone rang. I showed up. <laughs> <laughs> so be careful what you say. If you don't get anything else out of this podcast, don't make offers you don't mean. So uh, it's really great to have you, man. And I have really, really enjoyed uh, working with you. There's a lot of uh, a lot of ground to cover. I mean, you've you've done so much. I mean, chemistry and music, and you're a reverend and, and an attorney. So we've got we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I'm one of those guys that as soon as I grow up, I'll figure out what I want to do. (laughs) I've just been, I've I've been done some of this, some of that as, you know, as as, uh, the Lord led me to go different places and, you know, and it's been, it's been a fun ride, but uh, I enjoy what I'm doing right now. Yeah, my journey was similar. I I graduated from high school and and started working with my dad doing heating and air work and then uh, went to auction school. So I actually got my auctioneer's license and then finally decided on, on being a lawyer. So it took me a while too. And you're also a pilot too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I think I'm a little younger than you, so I did get it figured out before you did, I think. But, okay. I mean, you know, you never know what might come as next. As long as you're done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you so, never know. We yeah. might not be finished. So tell me, where are you from, man? Um, I'm originally from Florida. I say that. I mean, my dad and uh, my parents were uh, missionaries, so we actually lived all over the world for a while. But um, I ended up in Florida for the longest time, so I claim North Florida's home, St. Augustine, okay, uh, to be yeah. exact. It's just south of Jacksonville, and uh, that's, that's where I claim home. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's where we actually caught up uh, the last time, and uh, we met, like I said, in law school. But uh, you lived all over the world. What's the coolest place you've lived? I still think Florida is the coolest place I lived. Really? I, yeah, I do. I just it's there's so much history there, and um, the weather is fantastic. I'm a Florida boy at heart. Well, I love and, uh, Saint I love Augustine. It, but, it's yeah. beautiful down there. No, we lived in Costa Rica for a little while. Okay, and we also lived in Spain for about two years before we moved back to the United States. And so, so Florida was by far the best of, of, of that, those? Yeah, and I was very little when we did that, so I don't remember much about it anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. How's your, how's your Spanish? Um, muy piquito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine too. Yeah. Mine too. But I never lived in Spain, so I, I mean, I don't know, or Puerto Rico, so I, maybe you should have, have a little leg up on me there. I'm, I'm not sure. But So um, chemistry, what's up with that? So when I went to college um, about a million years ago at Jacksonville University in Jacksonville, Florida, um, I thought I wanted to be a chemical engineer. And um, I did. I love science. Science has always been fascinating to me. And um, I enjoyed my chemistry classes. It was an engineering class, actually a circuit analysis class, where the guy was at the board doing two diagrams with two hands simultaneously. And I thought, I don't want to do this. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I decided I didn't want to be an engineer. Um, and uh, But uh, I felt like I was really headed toward music because that 
that was just a love of mine. And so, but I was so close to finishing, I was like, might as well go and finish this degree out. So I have a degree in chemistry. I've never worked at all as a chemist doing anything. I just have a bunch of knowledge in my head, <laughs> you know, if it's still there. But, it, it, whatever still exists. Yeah. So you, you really, those two things just seem like they're on the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, you, for engineer and music, you've got, you know, really, uh, uh, hard numbers and and type a type people and then in music you think about the artist type people that are not all that nailed down but i guess there is some similarity think about albert einstein he was a violinist oh really he i was. had no idea and um, i believe that's correct and then here's another one for those of you guys who are very classically trained um modest mazorsky who wrote pictures and exhibition he was a russian composer he was actually a chemist by trade but that's what he did during the day, but he wrote uh, symphonies as well. Well, I guess so. yeah, when you get down into uh, music theory, which I know you know quite a bit about, and uh, and you can talk music way more than I ever ever could, but there are there is quite a bit of science behind it, isn't there? Obviously, there is. Um, just the ordering of music, the notes, and you look at uh, scientific laws. But you, you also think about acoustics. Obviously, there's a lot of physics involved in that. And the, what we hear, you know, coming from a piano, overtones, things like that. It's, it's actually pretty neat, the combination of, the, of both and how they overlap. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, one, of the, one of the most interesting classes I took in undergrad was a class called Ethnomusicology. And it was all about the different uh, music and the different styles of music that you see in different cultures all over the world. And it, it was really interesting to see how, you know, we obviously in the West have one way we see music, but the rest of the world maybe doesn't see it that way. So it, it can be very scientific when you... It is. And it's interesting. It. You look at um, some of the, uh, like, Far East or so let's say some of the Indian cultures, and they will they will use what we call a quarter tone system. Uh, you know, um, Bach came up with the 12-tone the system. You hear the normal scale, but they'll, they'll have actually, even between that, they'll have smaller increments. And so it sounds odd to our Western ears, yeah, but yeah. it's perfectly normal, you know, and they just they have different kind of instrumentation. So it's fascinating to see how music has changed all over the world. That's incredible. So now, if you're thinking about music, and uh, I know someone who's as uh, uh, high music as you are might not know somebody that we all like, but who's your favorite musical artist that we might know? Honestly, of, of all the piano players, because that's what I play, it's Bruce Hornsby. Bruce Hornsby. Bruce, I okay. think he is. I think he's the best of all the pop pop piano players, and he's just the, the man can do some incredible stuff. That's so, cool. So you'd yeah. rather listen to him as as anybody? Yeah, because I can just sit and watch him play and listen to him play. I saw him with. Um, um, uh, what's his uh, the Kentucky Thunder and. Um, yeah, I'm missing the guy's name, the banjo player, but um, the uh, bluegrass guy. But anyway, okay. he, and he and he um, he he was with him, and so he was playing bluegrass piano, and bluegrass only bluegrass piano, and, and he still yeah. <laughs> he still um, he still pulled it off. It was pretty incredible. It that, was it was still amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. That's the kind of piano I need to hear you play. Bluegrass uh, I'll, piano. I'll, I'll put that right in my next time. Suits and Boots podcast. We need to have this guy with a piano, right? You let us know in the yeah. comments if you Ricky think Skaggs, that's a good that's idea. That's who I was trying to think of. There you go. That's that's the guy he was with. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. Well, now, so you and I are are both uh, Liberty Law grads. I was a Liberty undergrad, um, and Ricky Skaggs is actually on, or used to be back when I was there, was actually on one of the boards. I think the the board for the School of Music at yeah. Liberty University, which is kind of cool. Yeah, he's he's a great guy by all by all uh, accounts that I've heard of him. So well, you, very now, great musician. You spent some time in Nashville, right? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I kind of chased the Nashville dream for a while. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, the the fun part about that was meeting all those people that are in the liner notes of all. The, I'd meet somebody and say, "Oh yeah, you played on So So's album." They'd be like, "You read that?" I'm like, "Yeah, man." <laughs> you know, he was great, man. The guy that level musician. 
relationship there is incredible because you can throw a rock and hit a musician, you know, no matter which way you throw one, but I, it's a lot of fun. I remember you telling me about those studio musicians who go in and, and they get the music like just a few minutes before the artist shows up and they've just got it. Yeah. They just sit down and start playing it. That's what they do. Yeah. Those guys just know what they're doing. They, they'll walk off the, uh, the Grand Ole Opry stage and, you know, they, they're up there going live just playing stuff, you know, and it's, it's pretty incredible what they can do. Yeah. 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 So it, it, what, what happened next? So you were in Nashville and tra- chasing the music thing and yeah. what eventually uh, you became a reverend and, and then at some point a lawyer. So where's the reverend thing come in? Um, actually you skip back a couple of years before that. And I had, um, after college, I decided to travel with a, a music and drama team all over the United States. I got done with that and I just felt like, uh, you know, I wanted to do music and, and especially in the church. And so I went to seminary in Texas and I was there for four years, got the, the, it's the equivalent of a piano performance degree and then a um, and then a master's in music and choral conducting. So, okay. uh, and so that's actually what my master's degree is in. And then I moved to Nashville after that. Okay. And um, while I was there, I got involved doing church music. Okay. And yeah. so that's uh, so I was doing that. I lived in Nashville for a while, and then moved down to Macon, Georgia. And that's actually where I, I met my now wife. Yeah. And. Um, and then I lived there for a while. Then I went up to Atlanta, and I was at a church in Atlanta for a couple of years before I left to go to Lynchburg and go to law school. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, and you still play in in the church, right? I do, I do. I uh, I like to uh, use my gifts and uh, try to uh, lead when I can, and and sometimes I do it for third parties and other churches, and sometimes I do it at, at my church. I'm involved there um, about every other week. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. So. Um, we we met obviously in law school, and then when I when I met you in Florida, you were doing this this type of law called eminent domain. Tell us what is eminent domain. Right, eminent domain is a is a very fancy word that people often don't know what that means. And eminent domain is basically when a sovereign, some government of of some sort, uh, takes property to use for the sovereign's purpose. Um, now the the term eminent domain goes back long before <clears throat> the founding of our country in 1776. It goes back to the the idea that that uh, the sovereign, let's say it's a king, can take can take property. And there's a, actually a great um, story in the Bible. I think it's in First or Second Kings when King Naboth, who was um, I'm sorry, not King Naboth, it was King Ahab, and he was married to that woman we all know, Jezebel. Yeah. And um, and so he wanted Naboth's vineyards because he he desired them for whatever reason he wanted them and and. Uh, he came. Uh, he was at home one day, just sulking because he could not uh, get uh, get Naboth to sell him his, his vineyard. So Jezebel says, "Well, just take it." And so, uh, so uh, he just goes and literally just takes it from Naboth, and the, the king gets it, and and God judges him pretty harshly for that. Yeah. And um, yeah. and there's actually if you read the rest of the story, actually it's quite violent what happens to him and Jezebel. Absolutely. But yeah. um, my former uh, my lead partner down in Florida, every now and then would tell that story in trial, if it was, you know, appropriate, just to say that eminent domain has been around for a long time. Yeah. And yeah. so our founding fathers were brilliant by putting limits on what they could do. They said, yes, you can take it for a public purpose, but you have to give just compensation. That's in the Fifth Amendment to our U.S. Constitution. So this is, uh, this is a federal issue as much as it is a state issue. And, and a lot of folks maybe don't know, but when, when we deal with law, we deal with tiers of law. So we have the state level law, and then we have the federal level law. A lot of times constitutional issues come down to the federal level, not necessarily just the state level. So It, it, it depends on you know, who's doing the taking. That's really what it comes down to. Um, I was involved with the Sable Trail Pipeline. 
in in uh, Florida. It actually was a 362 mile pipeline that ran through Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. We represented property owners on that pipeline, and the folks from Sable Trail decided to file in federal court because of the Natural Gas Act. And so we ended up doing a lot of work in in federal court and arguing about whether or not it was really a federal taking because they 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 themselves didn't have the power of eminent domain. It's only because they had been given that through uh, a statute, they were allowed to do that. So that was, it was, we were in federal court, there was a lot of state court involved, but if the federal government came, let's say they wanted to build a post office, that would be a federal taking, would be under the Fifth Amendment and and, uh, that. But if um, your city comes and they want to take it for sanitary sewer easement, that's going to be a local taking. There's going to be different statutes under North Carolina that would apply to that. Sure, sure. That's really cool, man. So, um, I know, I remember in law school, you were really involved in the constitutional law stuff. I think worked for Liberty Council for a little while. I did. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your work there. Um, I I really like what those guys are doing. I have a real heart for religious freedom, and I want to... um, make sure that our, that our country stays uh, in a place where we can allow people to worship and live out their faith as they, they see fit. And so that's really one of the main drivers that I went to law school for. Um, and so I'm involved in that when I can be. Um, yeah, that, that's a niche field. And so yeah. jobs didn't necessarily open there that I could do it full time, which is great. And so I do other stuff, but you know the door's open for me to get involved in eminent domain, and so that's really what I, what well, I the, really enjoy doing as well. They're so similar, though. I mean, so you've got in uh, in in the religious liberty field, you've got the government coming in and, and doing some kind of act that would infringe on someone's liberty to, uh, to, to practice their religion. But in eminent domain, you've got the government literally coming in and taking someone's property. So either way, you're, you and what you do kind of sets up a fence and says, no government, you can't come this far. Or in the case of eminent domain, if you do come this far, we're going to be compensated for what you do. So they, yeah. they do have a, I mean, either way, you're fighting the man, right? It's like, uh, it's like remember Professor Tuamala in yeah. uh, Constitutional Law, I think his first class, he said, name an area of law that's not touched by the Constitution, and we couldn't do it. Yeah. Because right? everything is, uh, you know, underneath the, the auspices of our Constitution. So yeah, everything comes back to what are the, the rights that you're granted. And of course, you know, we generally believe that there are rights outside the Constitution, natural law, that uh, and the Constitution is really there to limit the government, to keep the government from infringing on those rights that we were already given before um, the Constitution even existed. Yeah, endowed by our Creator, right? That's right. That's yep. exactly what yep. they said in yep. the Declaration of Independence. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we've got kind of the law stuff. I guess we need to figure out why law. So was it the constitutional religious freedom stuff? Is that, is that what drove you to law school? It really was. Um, and that's really a lot of why I picked liberty. And so uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to learn law from the correct perspective. Yeah. Um, a lot of people may not realize this, but the common law, which is judge-made law, um, really comes out of the Judeo-Christian tradition. There's a lot of biblical authority that was put in there. You got guys like uh, Judge Coke and Judge Sir Coke and Judge Blackstone from uh, England, what, the 16th century? And they talked about law. In fact, Blackstone said that a law that doesn't um, comport with natural law is not a law at all. I mean, that was how specific he was about yeah. what what law has to be. That that natural law has to law has to, can be made by man um, statutory law, but it has to comport with that natural law, or it's not even an actual law. That's awesome. And and what you know, we we talk about this stuff, and we and obviously it's 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 all over you that you're passionate about it, and and you think about these things. 
And really, that's that's why we do these things. And that's why, as I think, as, as we've seen over and over and over again with uh, David and Daryl and the, and the attorneys here at, at Bimbo Davidson and Martin, it's what we do. It's, it's a passion that we have to help people and to protect people and to protect their rights and to protect their property rights. So, I mean, that's... It doesn't get any better than that, man. And I think that that's a good thing because, you know, if, if the government shows up at your doorstep one day and says, hey, we want to take X, X amount of property, we want a permanent easement, a lot of folks just don't know what to do. Yeah. They think that their yeah. only option is to just take whatever the government gives them, you know, and that may be a fair offer. It may not be. But they have a right to determine, is it a fair offer, and have someone on their side look at it, and then to see, hey, is this really just compensation? That's what that's what the federal constitution calls for. It's what the North Carolina, because it's kind of like a passive, there's actually no eminent domain clause in the North Carolina constitution, but they just simply refer back to what the Fifth Amendment says. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, my goal is to make sure that folks get, they get the same amount of money for the taking that is if they just went out and did a handshake deal with their neighbor and said, these are the things we're going to think about. You know, those are the things that... Uh, eminent domain is supposed to do to make you whole, like it never happened, even though you really can't do that. You know, you can't get back the property, but you can get a fair amount of money for it. Yeah. 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 Well, we've covered some of the, some of the minor stuff. Now let's get to the important things. Atlanta Braves. All right. You, I mean, Florida, you're a Florida Marlins fan? No, no. What happened well, there? Well, well, they didn't exist when I was a kid. Oh, okay. And so uh, so I, I was grew up in Florida, and I, I was actually born in Atlanta. And so I've been in and out of Georgia my whole life. So uh, I've been a Braves fan since I was little. I watched Bob Horner, Dale Murphy, um, you know, Claudio Washington, Chris Chambliss, the, you know, Rafael Ramirez. You guys remember those names if you're an old Braves fan. <laughs> well, see, um, everybody in this area that I, that I grew up with was a Braves fan. Yep. That was the team we could watch on TV. That's right. And I guess it really still is. I mean, this is, they're our market team. Um, and so we, uh, my brother was a huge, huge Braves fan. So I grew up watching uh, Chipper Jones and Tom Glavin and John Smoltz and those guys. And that, that was back was, when they won. Yeah, that was, yeah, or, or no, that was the heyday. I, I was in, the, I was in the, 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 the sorry days before we started winning stuff. But you can't complain too much lately, right? I mean, 2022 it's World been a, Series champs? It's been a good ride this yeah. last this last couple of years. Yeah, my uh, my Bulldogs won the national championship and the Braves won the World Series. It was a good year yeah, yeah. for me sports-wise. And, so. and this past year was a little rougher, but hey, Still not too bad, well, right? We get past those Phillies, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think the pitchers and catchers are reporting today or tomorrow, so it's time to oh, kick it back so off they, again. It's, it's getting close. It's getting started. Yeah. yeah, you know, David in our office is also a huge, huge uh, fan of, of baseball, the Minnesota Twins, but yep. still baseball. He's actually going to spring training here in a few days. So, uh, um, well, Bulldogs. So, Georgia Bulldogs here, you're Georgia through and through. I, I, well, except for my pro team. And I, I mean, I, I do like the Falcons, you know, bless them. But then again, I say that and I'm actually a Jaguars fan. Oh, really? Um, so, okay. yeah, so it's not much better. Well, ja <laughs> you know, Jacksonville Jaguars didn't exist when you were a kid either. They didn't. And that's and I was never a big NFL fan. But when they came along, I thought, I'll start rooting for them because they were my home team. So yeah. I've, I've rooted for them. And it's it's been a frustrating ride. But, you know, <laughs> you know, hope springs eternal, you know. Yeah, and well, so we I always mean, think this is the year. The Panthers and, the, and Jacksonville came along at the same time, the same year, I think. That's right, and, uh, and then the Panthers have won a Super Bowl, and we haven't. So. Uh, no, they've been to a Super Bowl. Oh, that's what it was. Think, okay. Yeah, I don't well, think they, they, they went farther won. than Jaguars have. Yeah, yeah. We've made it to the AFC Championship twice and lost both times. Uh, so, well, it's the it's the world we live in, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's so um, sports, music, all this stuff is is so so entertaining, so interesting. So when you're not wearing a suit and you're not playing music, is there anything? What do you like to do? Is it just music? I mean, is that the big thing that that 
that you that takes your mind off of eminent domain? Um, you know, I, I, I do love music. You know, I've, I've got a, a family. We've got a seven year old, and um, so it's that that takes a lot of my time. Just you know, spending time with with him and and the rest of my family, which I love doing that as well. Um, going places, you know, going going out and just seeing. You know, we've been in North Carolina for. A year and a half now. There's just tons of stuff we haven't done yet, yeah. and so we're busy doing that. Um, I like to read a lot. I mean, I'm always reading something, you know, fiction books, nonfiction books, trying to learn stuff. I just I like getting lost in the world of fiction, and so <laughs> when I can find time to do it, I like to do it. Yeah. So um, at, at Bimbo Davidson and Martin, you're still doing the eminent domain stuff. That's right. Um, so we're and we're doing this stuff s- statewide. So right. I mean, you'll go yeah. anywhere in, in North Carolina, right? That's right. So um, you know, in the state of North Carolina is growing like crazy right now. Everybody knows that. People are moving here from all over. And the the DOT and these municipalities have to keep up with the infrastructure. So they're building things. And um, there's, not a, there's not a ton of eminent domain attorneys out there, except guys that kind of do it a, a little bit on the side. So, yeah, I'll, I'll travel, you know, wherever we can to, to make things happen, you know, anywhere in North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. So what's, uh, what's the most interesting eminent domain case you've seen so far? Um. I, mean, I, I really enjoyed my work on the um, Sable Trail pipeline, and that, that's because uh, that came down to a bunch of arguments in federal court about whether or not, and this is while I was in Florida, but this is while they had to um, determine whether or not the, uh, they had to apply state law or federal law as far as eminent domain. And um, we argued up to the 11th Circuit and won, and it came back down, and, and uh, that was... That's probably eight, nine years ago, and we're still waiting to get paid for some of the... Well, I say we. That firm is, is still waiting to get paid on some of the attorney's fees and costs that they are due because of all of that. Yeah. So it's... it's uh, but it's the the briefing, being the federal court, the um, just the, the way they handled it, it was just fascinating to watch and to be part of. One thing I've found in this is I've never never been involved in eminent domain until we got together. Um, always been in real estate law, uh, so I've always enjoyed real estate, and this is very closely related when, when we talk about eminent domain, but uh, it takes a while, doesn't it, to get a case through the system? It does. Um, you know, you're going to find that they're going to come, and the, whoever the condom nor is will come and give you an initial offer, um, but it may be, it could be, if he has to go to trial, for instance, which is rare, it's, it's, it, it's rare that a case it gets that far, but it, it may be a few years down the road before um, you actually see payment um, of any kind of compensation, and so um, there, there are some benefits, you know, that, you know, if you, if you have to go to trial, you can get some interest on it, but it does take a while, so the name of the game with them and demand really is patience. If not, you can just take what they offer you, but if you're willing to really work at it and to work hard to try and get what's fair market value, just compensation, then it's going to just take a while. Yeah, because so. the, the state's going to come or whoever's, whoever's taking the property is going to come with, with a check in hand, I mean, on day one, right? And you yeah, can... Yeah, they'll make you an offer and they would love for you to take that offer. You yeah, know, it, yeah. it benefits them. Um, but you want to make sure that what's what's right for you. So the important thing for folks out there listening is if they get an offer from the DOT or from some somebody taking their property, give us a call, right? Absolutely. I mean, we, um, we don't charge a consultation. That's right. Yeah, we, we do not. Um, the consultations are always free for eminent domain uh, um, actions. And uh, we'll, we'll look over it and see, you know, hey, we think this is a fair offer or, hey, we think we can probably do a little bit better than this. And we're willing to work on your behalf to do it. Yeah, yeah. So, guys, thanks so much for watching today. Scott, man, it is so great to... 
I mean, I can't believe that we didn't stay in touch all those years and then finally reconnected. And, and the Lord really just brought this together. I mean, it's, there's no other, no other yeah. explanation for it that, that we just happened to be in Jacksonville and then, and then you just happened to be looking for, for a, a change. Yep. And uh, we are just so happy to have you. Thanks for taking the time today. Guys, if, if you have any questions on eminent domain stuff, any kind of, especially real property litigation, this is your man right here. So he knows what he's doing. He can help. And make sure to give us a call. Like and subscribe to our YouTube. Follow us on Facebook. Make sure you keep up to date with our videos that are coming out. We're going to have these things every week so you can get to know us and you can get to know what we do and how we can help. So thanks for watching.